Hello and welcome to the Attribution Marketing Podcast, where we help businesses, brands, and entrepreneurs get more out of their advertising campaigns. Today's guest is Spencer Ehrenfeld from Ehrenfeld Trial Lawyers. Spencer is a seasoned veteran of the personal injury space and has done a tremendous job with content marketing to build his practice and has taken the entrepreneurial route rather than joining one of the big law firms. So we wanted to hear from Spencer's experience today and how he has leveraged content marketing to build a successful practice. So Spencer, thanks for joining us. We're glad to have you. Lucas, I'm thrilled to be had. I graduated law school at a time where anyone who didn't know what to do with themselves in their lives was applying to law school. But I was fortunate enough to have graduated and near the top of my class, and I graduated with honors from University of Miami, could not get a job, could not get an interview, but I could get clients. The problem was I didn't know what to do with them or how, or how to represent anybody. And uh, I didn't know even who to ask to show me how to do these cases. So I ended up going to the law school library and I soon learned that my law school professors had no clue either how to practice law. None of them had ever had clients. None of them had really ever been in front of judges or juries. None of them really knew where the courthouse was. And I was practicing law for a while out of the library at the University of Miami Law School until someone there figured out what the hell I was doing. And, and I did that for a while, and the word got out, Lucas, to, a, to the Daily Business Review, which is sort of the, the Wall Street Journal for lawyers, that there was some kid right out of law school who was practicing law out of the law library, and they sent a reporter to follow me around to sort of document what I was doing. But most of the time I spent going to the courthouse and just sitting in the courtroom watching cases. You know, it was like cheaper than the movies. I would just go in there and watch hearings and lawyers and talk to the lawyers after that. And I did enough different cases to realize that I didn't like bankruptcy. I didn't like immigration. I didn't like family law. I didn't like criminal law. But I really liked the dynamic of, which is perfect for the entrepreneur, by the way, of personal injury law, working on a contingency basis. We only get paid if we win. And that worked out really well for my personality to sort of, you know, make it fun and I won't even know it's a job and make it sort of all or nothing. It's, it's perfect for me. And, and, and I started gravitating to that. And that's what I've been doing in that space for the last, believe it or not, 30 years. The, the knowledge that you have that you can really help our audience uh, get some insight into is um, how you were able to to stay in in front of the newspapers and the the television shows and things like that to get your name and your brand out there because I think what sets you apart from a lot of the other attorneys that play in your space is you're not doing billboards and bus benches and you know big catchy one eight hundred numbers you're doing it off of content marketing and sharing your knowledge and making sure that people know how to do things safely and how businesses can make their facilities safer. So how did you develop that strategy? Where did it you know, come from and, and walk us through uh, the origination of that? But my whole shtick has always been what I think is authenticity. The, the, the Spencer you know, Lucas, 
is exactly the Spencer that I am, which is the same Spencer that is in the courtroom, which is the same Spencer that deals with clients and deals with my family and deals with potential clients. So you're right, man. When I started, there was no internet. So my marketing shtick was just being this authentic Spencer Ehrenfeld to anyone I came in contact with. If it was a valet parker, a bus boy, the, whoever it is that I would meet, they would know who I am and what I do. I would always give them a card. As the internet evolved and as I started getting media attention, I'm sure on, on some profound level, I was trying to make money, but the cases I took that got the most media attention were not money makers. These were cases where I was just trying to do the right thing for somebody. Um, and they were newsworthy because they were so bizarre and so unusual, uh, and the media sort of ate that up. And then as the internet evolved on every single platform, I was not shy for somebody of my age uh, to go on Instagram and, and to go on Twitter and, and to go on Facebook and, and on YouTube and, and start sort of documenting uh, my existence as a lawyer, for better or worse. And, and so... It's a lot, a lot of the time, it's just me on the courthouse steps talking into a camera. A lot of times it's me holding the camera myself talking into it. Because you are authentic in all your content, you're going to attract a market and a, a tribe almost that gravitates towards that personality and says, this is the guy for me. How do you stay true to that brand? I mean, I know it's just part of your personality. You almost just don't filter it at all. But what's your advice for maybe a small to medium law firm? that's looking to get into this content marketing space, where can they get started? What would be your advice to them? I've said this many times, you can be the world's greatest client, uh, world's greatest lawyer, or you could have the best cases, but if you don't know how to put the law and the cases and the client together, it, it, it's not gonna work. So um, I would say for the small law firm owner, they need to spend as much time trying to be a great lawyer as they are trying to get cases. And, and if you don't know how to do one or the other or both, you need help. You, can, you, you can't be everything. So you, you have to give yourself permission to be who you are. You have to sort of spend some time and figure out who you are. I know you've, over the years, created kind of a, an ecosystem, a universe, if you will. Talk us through the Attorney Breakfast Club, Lawyers to the Rescue. I mean, these are part of your brand. They're not directly related to necessarily Ehrenfeld trial lawyers, but talk us through the origination of those two projects and how they work together into, into the big picture. I tried to play in the space of these giant non-for-profit legal aid. They're very structured. So I created uh, a very open platform organization called Lawyers to the Rescue, and we provide free pro bono legal services to the homeless in every community in this country, there's homeless people who need legal representation. It's a great opportunity to show the public, here I am doing something other than trying to make myself rich. Here I am trying to help people. Um, and it helps lawyers in general because our reputation is so bad out there, particularly personal injury lawyers. Here, here it shows personal injury lawyers aren't all bad. And at these homeless um, facilities, most of them are, are run with the assistance of giant corporations with boards of directors, you know, like Norwegian Cruise Lines happens to make it, is a huge player at the homeless center here in Miami. I, it puts me in the room with the CEOs of these corporations on occasion and uh, in a non-adversarial way, 
here I am. And, and, and it is it has come to help uh, to, to be with the CEOs that I would normally not have been associated with when we get together at, at the homeless shelter. The Attorney Breakfast Club is another way for me to get myself in front of lawyers of different specialties. I want to be in the room with lawyers who don't do what I do, who need to know someone who does what I do to send cases to, because sometimes in our cases, we have multiple issues. And what we do is we have breakfast. It's called the Attorney Breakfast Club. And we refer each other business. We share ideas. Although we're independently owned and operated, we work together as an association, if you will. Walk us through. You have call tracking. You use FileVine. Uh, you have Google Ads running. You have YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, you got Attorney Breakfast Club, you got Lawyers to the Rescue, all these are sort of inbound lead flow sources. Walk us through your strategy for how you are tracking some of that and how you can sort of understand what's working and what's not. Well, at this point in my life, the practice of law is is consuming. So I don't have the um, the mental and uh, intellectual and physical bandwidth to manage. So I've sort of outsourced the management of it at this period of time because I can't handle that information and also litigate uh, 75 cases in federal court. At other times in my career, I was on top of this on the on a daily basis, like a day trader tracking Google Analytics. So you have to associate yourself with someone that you know and trust that's got your back to watch that for you so you can watch the cases. If you're completely invested in the in the marketing, which there have been times in my life where I was, you better have someone who can manage it and, and run your cases. So I think that's an important point to bring up, you know, where a lot of attorneys in the past use a lot of sort of broadcast mediums. This would be radio, TV, print, bus benches, uh, buses themselves, billboards, all these different things. And I think it's very, very important to highlight that uh, throughout your career, these these things might have been tried, but they're not tried by splashing five, ten, twenty thousand dollars on a campaign. They're done in a way where you can track it, and we're following the success or failure of some of those campaigns. And that's what every business, not just attorneys, but all businesses, need to look at their inbound lead flow. Not only do we just want phone calls, but a successful law firm is going to do with their marketing department is review not just where those leads came from, but which of those leads signed up. That marketing shouldn't just look at the top of the funnel, how do we get more calls, but also all the way down at the bottom. Are we signing these people up? Are they clients? Are we going to get a revenue component with this? And, and, I, and I think a lot of lawyers in particular are not really focused on the bottom line of what is my marketing actually producing for me. A lot of them are just turned on by driving down I-95 and seeing their billboard, or flicking through two and a half men and seeing their commercial. That's all they care about. They don't really care about the result. I can put a billboard on I-95, but it's not gonna gain you any revenue. If you just wanna get turned on seeing your picture up there, we'll do it, but you're throwing your money away. Great point. And that's what attribution is all about, sort of not throwing your money away. Last question for you is a forward-looking statement. What What's going to happen to the AmLaw 100 or these largest law firms in the country that used to charge $1,000 an hour and there are no free consultations and they got the big glass conference room? That information used to be stuck in the law books 
stuck, you know, in the court system and stuck in the heads of attorneys. And now guys like you are blogging about it, writing about it. It's out there. It's free. So how can the biggest law firms pivot to maybe take uh, some advice from uh, the small to medium firms like yourself and what's worked for you? How are, How is it going to work for them in the future? My best friend is a uh, chief operating managing partner of one of the largest international law firms in the world. They have offices in like 40 countries. And uh, I was talking to him about, and I'm not saying much good has come from the pandemic, but one of the few things that have come from the pandemic is I have learned that I can operate my law firm productively remotely. And I don't mean just me being remotely remote. I mean, my entire firm is remote. We're, none of us are working under, under the same roof. And I see no decrease in productivity. Um, so I talked to my friend about this because they closed a number of the offices and now they're telling their lawyers they've got to come back to work. And if they don't come back, they could lose their jobs. Um, and I said, why do you need everyone there? Why, why do they have to be under one roof? Why do you have to have face-to-face -face meetings? Why can't this all be done on Zoom? Um, he doesn't think it can be. I am finding from my perspective of the, you know, the lemonade stand versus, you know, what he's running, that we're, we're extremely productive. We have trials that are coming up. <clears throat> my first Zoom trial will be November 3rd it, it, with no jury, just the judge, me, the witnesses, my client. I, I, I think that it's going to make the justice more, uh, more productive and less costly. Um, just the fact you don't have to fly a lawyer across the country for a trial. I don't have to stay in a hotel. I can just stay at home every night. It's just, I think it's going to save both sides of the coin a lot of time and money. Um, it, moving forward, I, I see justice should cost less than it has cost in the past just because of technology and the courts embracing technology and our clients are embracing technology. That's what I see. I don't know how the large law firms will handle it, but the small law firm is going to become even more agile Money that we used to spend on rent can be going going now to case acquisition. You highlighted a few things there. The cost of justice might be decreasing, might free up more marketing budgets. The clients are already technologically ready to go. They're used to Zoom. They're used to consuming this information. So this is sort of a, an adapt moment for a lot of industries. Legal is, is no exception. If you are looking for advice and support to start your own law firm, Spencer is uh, the man to go to. He, in fact, wrote the book on it called Make It Your Own Law Firm. Go Google that and check it out. And if you uh, are a law firm that's checking this out or even any small business, I think it's important to note some of the key things that we covered today. It's important to measure your marketing. You need to know how it's working, not just that you're getting leads and phone calls, but are those leads and phone calls turning into paying customers or, or contracted uh, clients. And that's what you need to keep your eye on. So you heard it here first, guys. This is the Attribution Marketing Podcast signing off. Mm -hmm.